You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast. And here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. And my guest today is the one, the only Jerg. He's been on this show before. I've been on his a lot, especially around draft time to talk about the draft. I look forward to doing the draft, the mock drafts with him and his boys over there every year. It's always a fun conversation. I like to, you know, I put a lot of work into the draft. So I like it when people actually, you know, give me time to talk about it. So I appreciate Jerg and all he's done for, for me and my podcast. So I said, let's bring him on. Let's talk a little football. It's what we do best. He's also a big hockey guy, but Jerk, welcome back onto the show, man. It's been a long time. Oh, Stu, it has been, it has been, but Stu, it's an honor to come back. And let me just say right real quick off the top, thank you for your patience because my schedule has been very hectic over the last month. And this, this return of mine to being able to grace your show again, like it, it's taken a little bit of like time coordination and planning because there's some things on my end. a couple been... weeks. It's all right. Yeah. We're both busy guys. We're both busy yeah. guys. I'm coaching. I just want... right. I'm coaching. Bye. You got all your stuff. Hey, it's going on, man. Yeah, but I just want to say you've been very gracious and patient with me, and I just want to let you know it's very appreciated, brother. Hey, no problem, no problem. All right, I want to start with this. Josh McDaniels got fired. By the time you're hearing this, it was – or but with us recording this, it was last night. But they fired him and the general manager. I was highly against Josh McDaniels getting hired to, to begin with. I, I'm not a Josh McDaniels guy. Uh, part of that is he left a bad taste in my mouth when he left the Colts at the altar – uh, is what it is. I think we wound up, even though we wound up firing Frank Reich, I think we we wound up with the right coach anyways. But I say all that to say that this is the same guy that drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a Tim Tebow guy. I like Tim Tebow, but you drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. This is a guy who never really seemed mature enough to me, Jerg, to be a head football coach. Never really seemed like he understood kind of what it took to be a head football coach. He's going to land on his feet. He's going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere, probably back in Boston. But yep. I just I, I'm not so sure he's a guy that I, I think this is it for him. I think he's done as far as being a head coach goes in the NFL. What do you think? And, and what are your thoughts on the Raiders firing him? I'm shocked they did it so soon. Yeah, in terms of him being fired, I think th- this is an example of just things building up and the frustration from last season the fact that Derek Carr, a guy who I've had my mixed opinions about, I'm sure you've had very much the same, Stu, is a fine quarterback, and they couldn't really make it work with the frustration of Devontae Adams being so visible, and I'm sure even plenty of moments behind the scenes, it was probably due time for him to go. Like you said, this is a guy that just didn't get it as a coach, that sometimes you need to coach and you need to adjust to this, your scheme to your players. And when you got a guy like a Devontae Adams and he's not getting the ball a lot, when you have a Josh Jacobs who is, feels not as explosive and impactful the the way they schemed up this year compared to last, I, I think a lot of the offensive regression ultimately, when, when you're an offensive guy and you're brought in to help the offense and the offense takes a step back, that that's on you. So it, it didn't surprise me whatsoever that it was ultimately to happen. I'm with you because, and it's very well known. Me saying this is not like a, I don't think it's breaking news to anyone, but Mark Davis is relatively known for being, you know, trying to be as fiscal as possible when it comes to the organization. It, it's known amongst the owners that, you know, of the 32 NFL teams, there are 30 billionaires. 
There is the publicly owned Green Bay Packers who have just millions and like a bunch of different owners. And there is Mark Davis. He is very much below the upper 30 of the league. And I, this was my thought last season. I thought there was going to be a delay ultimately. I thought maybe this was going to come next season It because they were just going to have to suffer one more. But they didn't waste any time. They said, all right, done now. And I think that was for the better. The quicker you can take out whatever is the negative in your organization, the better. And Stu, to your point, the last point here when it comes to the Colts and what happened way back, I think you guys uh, saved yourselves because with Frank Reich, at least he was there, what, five, six years, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like McDaniels can only last like two, two and a half at top. So you guys, you guys got a little bit extra more mileage out of Frank Reich. And we had some success under Frank, uh, you know, limited success, never really encapsulated into what we thought it would be. Hey, Frank, uh, Andrew Lark did retire in the middle of a preseason game. So there is that as well. Listen, Jerk, at the top of this take, when I was on, when I was preaching this from the mountaintops, Jerk, you were at the off the ball network with me. You were, you were there. You were hearing me say this, and I was getting a lot of crap for it back then. And from for pretty much most of of these two guys' career, I've been wrong. But I think early on in this year, and I think what we've seen for the most part in this year is, listen, what I said coming out was I would take Penesul over Jamar Chase. I don't care what jo- Joe Burrow says, you know, sometimes your kids want to eat candy for dinner and you got to tell your kids, you can't do that. You got to eat real food. You can't just give them what they want all the time. Listen. And for the most time, I, they went to the super bowl. I get it. This offense has been unstoppable. I get it. But at some point I saw this coming down the line where you can't, you can't block for your quarterback and it doesn't matter. I said that then I'll say it now. It doesn't matter that you have Jamar Chase if Joe Burrow is throwing from his back all the time. It doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that you can't redo it. You can't redo the draft. You can't go back and draft Panay Sewell. And I'm not saying necessarily Panay Sewell is the right pick. But what I'm getting at is T. Higgins looks fine in that in that offense. Right. He's a number one. You You could use him as a number one. You have Boyd there as well you could use. They have Joe Mixon. They have a lot of guys that they could use in that weapon. Panay Sewell would fix that offensive line tomorrow if they were able to have him. I just, I'm just i not saying necessarily I was right because when you go to a Super Bowl for a guy like Jamar Chase, it's hard to argue that. But if we keep piling up seasons like this where Joe keeps getting sacked the way he has, this offensive line keeps playing the way they have, it may be like, hey, that's great that you had it, but ultimately you couldn't protect your guy. And ultimately this offense fell apart because you didn't do what you were supposed to do, which is protect your quarterback and give him time to throw. And maybe this all starts back in 2019 when you had the chance to take a, who everybody was calling a first ballot hall of famer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember this too. And I remember the guys were just giving like giving it to you when it's like, well, why, why would you do this? Why would you do that? And Jamar. And then you see how everything has played out. I, I I will say this. I think ultimately, will the Bengals, like, they'll never admit, and I don't think they believe that they will regret that decision. And I don't think they should. Right. But I do think, like, I, I think even still to this day, what you said back then has merit because we were very much in a situation where, you know, Joe was coming off that injury. 
it was the Bengals offensive line in shambles, you know? Um, and we didn't know what T Higgins was quite yet as well. Like that, that, that to me is one of the big things. We didn't see what T Higgins ceiling was quite yet because we didn't see him when Joe Burrow was healthy and, you know, making it to the Super Bowl and having all pro caliber seasons, you know? So there were, there were so many questions back then that I think it, it could have gone either way. I think I was pretty much right there with you for a lot of it, where it's like, yeah, Sewell to the Bengals just makes sense. You get a guy who he was extremely highly touted uh, to be the franchise left tackle going forward. Detroit gets him. I think Detroit's very happy with that selection, of course. <laughs> you know, they got bookend tackles over there to help protect Jared Goff. And that's a big part of why Jared Goff is looking so good because, you know, you got a very strong left tackle on one side, you got a strong right tackle on the other. You know, that that, that helps. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of those things going forward, man, where I feel like every once in a while we're going to come to a decision like this. I think even in this upcoming draft where it's going to be some interesting conversations because I thought last year, maybe the year before, was a lot of, you know, two uh, teams have two picks in the, the first round. We're going to have a little bit more of that this year, right? The Cardinals having two first-round picks, Chicago Bears having two first-round picks. And, you know, granted, a little bit different situation with those teams. You know, we, at least as of now, most people believe that they're both going to go QB early. What do you get next <laughs> with, with that second pick, you know? And it, it's all about roster construction. That This is very much an argument that we might be seeing, and we might be having to have this discussion yet again coming this, uh, this upcoming draft, but... I think just the baseline of it, what Jamar Chase has shown us is fantastic. And I think that what Panay Sewell has shown us is pretty dang good as well. Like, I I ultimately think if you're the Bengals with what Joe Burrow has shown us, I don't think you could have gone wrong with either pick. Yeah, It was just one of those cases where they decided to acquiesce with their star. And I will say this to partial Joe credit, partial Jamar Chase being great. And this is a case where it worked out. Like there, there are certain moments where you kind of like for now, the, for now, Jerg though. But like I've yeah. been, I've been there. I, I've, I've watched this all happen. Right. I, With, I've watched this happen. I've watched a rookie wide receiver in T. Y. Hilton and a rookie quarterback tear it up. I watched them dominate for five years. I watched them get this close yep. to the Super Bowl, and then I watched a but you know. A lacerated kidney, a concussion, a shoulder that put him out for two and a half years, then a bum ankle that got your quarterback wound up retiring. I'm not saying it's going to happen to Joe Burrow, but what I'm saying is, it's all fine and dandy. You went and got the fast, you went and got the Ferrari, but you got five kids. They can't all fit in a Ferrari. Maybe you need the minivan. Right. You got to be more practical than flashy. And I get it; it's working. And they went to a Super Bowl, so everyone's going to be like, "Just shut up, Stewart." They went to a Super Bowl, and <laughs> ultimately, they're right. But I'm telling you, I think long term, this is going to be a decision we look back on and say, as great as that combination was, as great as this is, something that plagued Joe Burrow and you did you did not do to Joe Burrow and you failed him in his career was you did not give him the proper tools to succeed and to use J- Jamar Chase at his proper height, which would have been with an offensive line, in my opinion. Right. And I think there's certainly an argument. And we, of course, we ultimately do need to see this play out because, you know, Joe did recently get his contract extension for all indications. We know that Jamar Chase is going to be due his here in a relatively short order. And, you know, once Chase gets signed, what sacrifices need to be made? And this is a Bengals team. Funny enough, Stu, like we, we talk about it. They've tried to make these additions to the O-line, especially at that bookend tackle room. Jonah Williams was the guy there for the first couple of years of Burroughs career. Now it's uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is the guy. And we remember in Baltimore, 
uh, Stu, that Orlando Brown Jr., like his whole thing with wanting to initially leave Baltimore was he because he started on the right side. He was a very good right tackle. You know, Ronnie Stanley was uh, the left tackle. They were very good, but Orlando Brown Jr. wanted to be the left tackle, goes to Kansas City for a couple of years, gets a Super Bowl, gets the contract in Cincy. And, you know, mi- mixed reviews, I think, not even just with him. I think the entire offensive line this season, maybe even less uh, less so for the other guys comparatively to him. I think if you're Cincinnati, this is just a situation, like you said, you're going to have to continue to see what works. I think Orlando Brown Jr. for now is fine, like, uh, but to this day, like I still don't think you're in the wrong for the mindset that you had. I, I think people trying to play the result game right now, it part of it is way too early, man. And part yeah. of it is also look, it you make the perfect argument with if you add Panay Sewell, you get the best out of T. Higgins. And look at these wide receiver draft classes we've had the yeah. last couple of years. Look at the wide receiver draft classes we're going to have in following years. The If there is one position to me that for however many years in a row now, we're going to get plenty of all pros, it's going to be the wide receiver. Like there's just – You're going to – one will likely go number two overall. Yeah. So the, in this year's draft. I mean, just saying. Yeah. So I, I, I think if you're – since he – you know, hindsight 2020 is to me is always a, a touch and go thing yeah. because there yeah. are just some things. But th- this is one of those things where, again, the pick they made was it pretty good? Absolutely. But, but for the pretty good you got, could it have been great if you had gone just a different way? I don't think it's asinine to say. You know, it, it, it's funny because, like you, you mentioned, it's doing, I think there's a big thing in the sports world. You know, this is all about results, right? People are going to look at the results so far, back-to-back AFC title games, Super Bowl appearances, that in the third. That's pretty good, man. I think, like you're mentioning, three, five years down the line when, you know, they still – yeah, maybe Orlando Brown Jr. is decent or above average. I'll give him that. I actually do like Orlando Brown Jr. Um, or maybe the guy they get after him is going to be good, but what could have been? What what could have been with a Panea Sewell, a T. Higgins, and insert name of other really good receiver here? Maybe – you could have traded up for Zay Flowers in this past draft in a yeah. different timeline, right? And you'd have T. Higgins and Zay Flowers, maybe. Uh, like, there's just so many different possibilities. That again, I, good. No, I that ultimately my final point. I think to this day, your point still holds true. I it can't be discredited now, even to, uh, today. I I want to end it with just this final thing, saying I'm not saying by any means Jamar Chase isn't great and that his impact isn't felt because it is, but. I just think ultimately we'll see we'll see how it pans out ultimately, but I, I am scared for the future of Joe Burrow. Let's talk about another quarterback who plays in Ohio. This one I think and maybe a maybe I shouldn't joke about this, but maybe this guy needs to I don't know. I guess the massage tables aren't the same down there in Cleveland that they were in in, in Houston. But uh I don't know how to feel about Deshaun Watson because the last time we saw him in Houston, he was a top four guy in the league. Um, one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. And my quarterback ranking, I think I put him at 12 or 15 this past year. But this is a guy who we're hearing reports that is healthy, is is getting some reports that maybe he is clear and is just refusing to play. So it, uh, this is why teams hated Cleveland for giving him the guaranteed contract because now he's saying whether I play or not, I'm getting my 239 million guaranteed or whatever it was. So why do I need to play? This to me is a bad situation down there in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It's <laughs> oh, people were so upset at the Haslam's when that fully guaranteed 
uh, contract came through. And also there's so many other details we could get about how they structured it and the base salary and all that. I, I think there's been plenty of conjecture. I'm sure even on your show where it's been discussed too, but I, if, if we just strictly keep it on the field, right. We could say so many things about Deshaun and what's transpired the last two and a half or so years, yeah. but we could, we could literally just keep it on the field. Which and I have use, by the way. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know you're utmost professional. Amazing. That for me, where I take my little jabs, that's, that's for me to handle, but, um, you know, just keeping it strictly on the field here, it, Deshaun, you had the end of last season, right? The end of last season was ultimately like, Hey, you know, we understand it's been, you take any professional athlete and you take them out their field for like a year and a half. There's going to be struggles when they come back. The end of last season, well, however many games it was like six or seven, if I'm not mistaken, uh, re, re, uh, ingratiate yourself back into things, understand the the motions, the flow, et cetera. Cause at the end of the day, practice reps, that's all very fine in game at every level up here compared to practice, right? Like it, it's just completely different. When we saw him perform poorly last year, hey, first time, this, that, and the third, got to get used to the weapons, needed more weapons too, like in Cleveland, if we're being honest. And there were some adjustments made. I think Kevin Stefanski took a uh, look at what was happening and even at his own coaching. I think Kevin Stefanski has actually been a bit better just co- straight coaching-wise this season than he was last year, I would argue. Um, the Nick Chubb injury, of course, was absolutely devastating in the early portion of the season. But they found a way, man, to come back. And Kevin Stefanski, I think maybe he took some notes. For, uh, maybe he went to a lecture by like Kyle Shanahan and, and uh, his his father. Because at the end of the day, man, like th- some of these guys just know how to get yards from these running backs. But, you know, you have a good ground game. You have an outstanding defense, right, in Cleveland. That's won them some games. It- it's funny that we're talking about a team that's literally just a quarterback away when they're already not, not even that. Who's supposed to be. Not even the that. They're an average quarterback yep. away. Like yep. they're rolling yep. with guys who are backups and XFL MVPs, but if they had an average yep. quarterback in there right now, this team's playing Kansas City in the AFC Championship game at the end of the year. And also, Stu, and this is where I only want to lightly touch upon what happened off the field, but not in great details. That we know with sports fans, right? We've been around them. We've talked. We've done so many podcasts, man. And like you said, we've been in like chats before. The higher level of success you have the more likely people are going to kind of brush past what your past has been, right? Let's be real here. Tariq Hill, outstanding in Miami. He got a little bit of trouble off the field of Kansas City. Yeah. But don't don't get me about. don't get me start. This is a road road that I've been preaching from for a long, long time. Long right, time. right. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely. Agree. And, and I think the thing with Deshaun is that you have what happened. You have how things ended in Houston. You have what you did off the field. And now you compound that with, hey, you got the contract, man. And even if we take away off all the off-field stuff, you got the contract. And you are playing you, – you said it yourself. An average quarterback, this team would be – we would be talking about the Browns as amazing, but he's playing below average. It just feels so out of sync, so off. P.J. Walker has come in. And P.J. Walker, like, has not played that great, man. In his two wins, I think he's got – in the two wins that they got against San Fran and against Indy – like, what was it, zero touchdowns and two interceptions between those two games? For him? And help from the referees. <laughs> that too. In that second game, like, he hasn't been spectacular. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I loved, you know, the kid coming out. But yeah, I think too. he extremely raw, wasn't ready to be just thrust in so quickly the way he was. I think he was done wrong in that aspect of things. Um, I, I think if you're Cleveland, you're just really kicking yourself right now. Like, th- this, this is a good team. This is an extraordinary good defense. This is a solid set of skill position players, even with the loss of Nick Chubb. This is a pretty good offensive line, all intents and purposes. The, the QB play is not struggling because of the O-line. 
it that, that's not the reason. It's literally just who is lining up under center. And the the guy he is supposed to be at the end of the day, for all we want to say about him, Deshaun Watson, we've seen him at the peak of his powers in this league, can go throw to throw with Mahomes, can go throw to throw with Herbert and Burrow and Allen if he had to. Literally did that in the playoffs against a couple of these guys. He's not being that. And it's it's put up or shut up. That that's what it is yeah. for Deshaun. That like it's I think it's that simple ultimately. If we if we want to keep it at its most simple, right? Put up or shut up if you're Deshaun Watson. I agree. I agree. All right, real quick, Jerg, I want to talk about uh a, a situation. You know, you you're you're not the biggest Ryan Tannehill fan. And so and I wasn't <laughs> a big Will Levis fan coming out. And I hate the Titans. So this isn't something that I'm not just saying this because I hate the Titans and I'm not you know me, Jerk. Listen, I'm not a guy who if I'm for instance, Anthony Richardson. I said he was a bust coming out. And he's shown some flashes. And I'm not gonna stay on the take to to say, oh, I was right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I've admitted I was wrong on Josh Allen. So many times in my career, I've admitted that I've been wrong on Lamar Jackson so many times before. I admit when I'm wrong. But can we pump the brakes on on yep. Will Levis? Like, we know what Will Levis was. He had the big arm. He was going to throw the ball deep. You have a quarterback who finally will push the ball down the field, and you look what you can do. But at the end of the day, the decision-making, the reading the defenses, those types of things, they will get exposed the more Will Levis plays. I'm not saying he won't turn out to be great. I'm not saying all that. As a rookie, as of what he is right now, there's a reason he fell to the second round when everybody else thought he was going to be a first-round pick. There's a reason he fell. He fell because he doesn't read defense as well. He puts the ball in bad situations a lot. And granted, you have a big arm, but that doesn't, as I've stated multiple times and I've done my research multiple times. And as I said with Anthony Richardson, it's the same thing I'm saying with Will Levis. Congratulations. You have a big arm, but that doesn't necessarily calculate to success. Actually, the ones who don't necessarily have the cannon have had more success than the ones who have, but I think it's time to pump the brakes on Will Levis. And anytime we can shut down the Titan success, I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> right there with you, Stu. Right there with you. Um, so so this is the funny thing. Obviously, outstanding debut. He comes in, he clearly earned the confidence of the staff over Malik Willis, which respectfully, I'm sorry, Malik, not that high of a bar. And he he goes and he plays. I I think there are, like you said, Stu, I think there are positives to take. I think there are things to be like, yeah, like there, there are things that Will Levis can do to help out the Titans. Absolutely. But it's like you said, we we gotta pump the brakes. And and this is not me with my conjecture and what my personal opinions have always been. This is I've heard multiple podcasts, as you do as like we consume so much sports media, Stu. We you got former offensive and defensive players saying it's real easy for a guy to pop off out of nowhere when there's literally no pro film about him. Because and, and kind of like I was mentioning before in terms of the difference between practice and actual like in play, right? In terms of college and pros, yes. Can you gain something maybe on their tendencies and stuff in college, which is, you know, you do so much draft work, so you understand that. It gets completely different when you actually got to finally play him in the pros you, with, yeah. with how much different things are, with how much he's had a whole training camp to learn. He's, you know, yes, it's Ryan Tano, which, you know, as we learned from last year, not exactly the guy most ready to be a mentor to young QBs, but he, like, I'm sure he picked up a thing or two, and I'm sure Will Levis probably saw, just like the rest of us, huh, you know, 
if I throw the ball deep to DeAndre Hopkins, maybe something happens with the offense, right? Like who, who would have thought that's a concept that could <laughs> that could help on your football team? <laughs> it took him a while, but no, I, I, I'm with you. Did Will Levis show some things? Absolutely. Like you said, I don't think there's ever been a doubt about him. He has a great arm, but the consistency and the touch on his uh, on the throws he's going to make on a play-by-play basis, it, it's going to take way more than one game against a an all right Falcons team. And all right is at most is what I'll give him. Like this was not a elite defense. He didn't do this against San Francisco. He didn't do this against anyone else. It's going to be interesting to see what he does against Pittsburgh here coming up. Cause that's a pretty dang good defense. That's yeah. won them a couple games. Like we, and even if he does fine in this one, we need to pump the brakes. A one or a two game sample size ain't enough. We've seen one game wonders. We've seen one season wonders in this league, right? Like if you're Tennessee, here's what I'll say. If you're the Titans. And I think this is the most like middle we can be about this. Ultimately, you have the guy who's going to be your starting quarterback game one of next season. I think it'll Levis. After that, we have no idea. Like he, I, I I wouldn't go there. I think he's on the roster, right? But I, I'm not saying Malik Willis is the guy. I'm just saying I think he's on the roster, and I think yeah. you're at the battle it out, right? And, and ultimately, that's also a fair thing. If we're like, if we do need to be a little overreactionary, you know, just like our guy Cruz would love us to be, like, I think it's more than fair to have the a potential opinion that as the season goes along, Will Levis, per the current moment, has a good chance to be QB one next season for Tennessee for for just for the first game, and then after that, we gotta wait and see because man, it, it's like you said, CJ Stroud's been phenomenal this season, right? Anthony Richardson, right? We were we were on the box path. We got first overall, man. Maybe Carolina should have listened to us and not the owner. But we got you got CJ Stroud who's performing well. You got Anthony Richardson, like you said, who's shown some flashes. And I think Bryce Young, it's it's taken a lot. I know, I know there's the struggles in Carolina. We could do a whole separate episode about that, honestly. But I I think there's still something there with Bryce. They just picked up their first win of the season too. Will Levis, great first game, great debut. What's the encore? What's the third performance? Right, like. We we need to not fall in love with these guys after a game or two because that's where you you trap yourself, right? That that's the ultimate thing. You don't want to trap yourself in this league and, and as a fan. And ultimately, like, do we really want to see the Titans win more games this season? I don't no, know about don't. y'all. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. All see right, that. man. Listen, I love this jerk. I'm gonna get you back on. We're gonna talk more. We'll talk hockey. We'll talk a lot of stuff, dude. I love having you on. I'm glad we finally got it to go, man. Um, before we go, let people know where they can find you, what you're working on. And uh, as always, I'll see you around draft time if I don't see you before then, but we'll see you before then. Oh, absolutely. Uh, once again, Stu, I can't thank you enough for welcoming me back on. It was fun to be on here. Morning Brew, Stu, along with being arguably the most creative sports podcast name out there, is an outstanding listen that the people need to be sure to make a part of their, you know, constant uh, sports media content consuming uh, patterns. For myself, at JerkK40 on IG and Twitter, um, where I just... From time to time, post random things. I'm getting into F1 a lot, man. I don't. I'm not saying I'll do, talk any F1 on the podcast, but I'm getting into F1. So if you look at my feed, you might see a little bit more F1 than in the past. Uh, in terms of podcasts, the Somewhat Sports Podcast and the Sports Agents of Chaos Podcasts are where I'm doing just having fun talking shop with some friends. And yeah, maybe every once in a while we we, we drop a, a pretty good gem, a good opinion. Someone on one of these podcasts. I'm just saying, Stu. Somebody called the Montez Sweat trade immediately, and also Chase Young being dealt at the same time. I'm just saying, and that's the guy that's on the show right now. So. <laughs> All right, Jerk. Hey, a big thank you, man. Uh, I love having you on, dude. You're the best. Uh, for those of you listening, listen, share this the best you can. You know, I can only do so much. You guys share it, spam it, your bosses, email, DMs, whoever, that employee, that colleague that likes listening to sports, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, I don't care, whoever. Uh, just share it with them. Help the show grow. Uh, have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one. We'll see you next week.